Welcome to You're Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Textual healing. So Jerry Falwell Jr. is um, having a bit of a sexual problem these days. America's little preeminent, like, Christian zaddy man. He's, he's uh, what's his name? Jerry Falwell's son. Jerry mm-hmm. Falwell, famous in the mm-hmm. 80s for taking on... Uh, who was the hustler guy? What's his name? Flint? Larry Flint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like that that whole Christian conservative guy. And the son now runs, or used to run, um, Liberty University, which was sort of their Christian university where a lot of legal minds come out of. For the What, didn't Robinson come from Liberty? Didn't he do something at Liberty, Brent? I don't think anyone of substance came from Liberty, but oh, I'm, there's some I'm forgetting. Sort of, I'm trying to think of the Christian connection. Regardless. Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's like Cookville. I mean, it's like, there's, yeah, there's some, there's some weird things going on there, but he got into some trouble because he had, well, he first had the picture with, with a really random woman on a boat that was somehow, he got over that and he said he apologized for it and he moved on. But then last week, as of this recording, he admitted to an affair, not himself having an affair, but his wife having an affair with a former pool boy who he and his wife had become financially sort of intermingled with in some investment properties that then he said the pool boy was trying to blackmail him. Extort, yeah. Yeah, extort money. And he then admitted this so that, you know, he could get ahead of the story. And then Liberty essentially was like, "Mm, you're kind of off brand now, so you got to go. And it's also super, like, it feels like queer adjacent because he obviously would never say that anything happened between him and the pool boy. Of course, but yeah. It was, it was made pretty evident that, like, they had a... Th- I mean, well, it's not evident. They had a threesome, and he, in, he I think, has confirmed that, the, that he watched the pool he, boy. He would watch the pool boy fuck his wife while he was wearing a Speedo, which is what Elliot calls a lunch date, by the way. <laughs> um, but I just love it because it's... So, I mean... It's again, so gay. It's so it's gay. It's so gay. And it's, and it's so well, antithetical to everything that he is, that his father was, and that Liberty University is. It's To me, it just represents, like, it. it somehow it always blows everyone away whenever these like you know yeah. higher you know uh high and mighty individuals uh kind of fall from grace but it's like it's just power like it mm-hmm. happens every time because once you get rich you don't you don't actually care about what you're preaching and you'll see it with every one of these every single famous like evangelical preacher has some like genuine controversy over uh basically some insinuation that you know some sex scandal some some scandal which they're they're selling you know fucking dasani as holy water for twelve dollars a vial and it happens all the time because i i don't know what their genuine background is i don't know if jerry falwell truly is a believer but think about all he had to do was just not tweet or instagram sleazy shit and he could spend the rest of his life, the president of this university, giving fucking sermons or whatever the fuck he does. And but he couldn't he couldn't fight the urge to text sleazy shit because he's a rich guy and he wants it. He wants to Instagram pictures of him with his fucking fly open and he wants to pay people to fuck his wife while he jerks off in a speedo. 
it's just like I mean, that does sound hot. It's just power, you know. Uh, yeah, it happens, I mean, but the, all the, the time. The twist in this, yeah, you're right. It's all arrogance, but the twist in this and the timing of this was perfect because it all happened while Trump was like parading the RNC oh, convention yeah. thing and the that little backstory on Falwell Jr. So Trump in 2016 was actually struggling with evangelicals. They were mainly going with Ted Cruz and some other candidates. They weren't mainly, but there was they, he had mixed support. But then Jerry Falwell apparently came out and came out and supported um, Trump during the 2016 election, which helped him get evangelical votes. But there's even some reporting out there, I believe on CNN, that said that the Trumps had knowledge of this affair, of this affair of Falwell Jr. watching the pool boy fuck his wife and used it against him so that he would endorse Trump and get evangelical votes. Yeah, he was... So yeah, they said that the, I, I read that article too, or heard about that 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 Trump's had this dirt, yeah. and that they used it for like essentially to blackmail him, which is insane because the exact same kind of dirt like couldn't even touch Trump in the election. Like it blows me away that Trump is able to use the exact thing that he does basically, yeah, against somebody, and it could ruin their life, but it gets him elected president. He's I don't Teflon. get it. Yeah, I yeah. still don't get it, but it is fun to see this sort of like queer adjacent you know i mean like brian says it's like this this at this at a certain point it becomes exhausting and it becomes predictable because the hypocrisy you just see it again and again and again with religious leaders you know with with um evangelicals and at a certain point you just have to like roll your eyes but i don't know i mean the what is it shout shout and frada is that how you say it schadenfreude yeah schadenfreude is like just it's just it's so good although i do kind of want to watch the tape if it exists you want to watch? I would watch. I would totally watch. <laughs> Not even joking. Our guest today is, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, she's, I don't know her, but I'm so excited to know her because I just like had a weekend obsession of watching literally everything she's done. And now <laughs> I cannot even tell you how excited I am to introduce Paris Sachet. Paris Sachet. Your name. <laughs> Can, the, the name is just perfect your glasses is perfect before these two losers got on paris and i were having a love fest over her glasses picked up in I baltimore love your, i, I love your glasses game oh thank you so much have you always worn glass like like um you know what i found a glasses? picture from me in seventh grade and i had glasses on and it mm. kind of shocked me because i didn't even think that i wore glasses forever you didn't oh really <laughs> Yeah, I forgot. And then I seen the picture. I was like, wow, I had these on in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you, it's a part of it. Have you always worn, like, a, as a performer, have you always, has that been your signature look to have, like, really cool glasses? Because they're bold. Not in the beginning. No. So they came, I've been on comedy seven years now, and they came, like, the fourth year, like, four and, mm-hmm. four and a half. Mm-hmm. Not really in the beginning. Yeah. Well, I always also- wanted glasses, and I, I, you know, the my cross to bear in life is that I have great eyesight, and so I don't need glasses. And I had I just that for like, twenty years. Yeah, I only, I only had twenty years where I didn't need glasses, and then everything went to shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you've got good. Well, I, I actually feel bad because I have great eyes as well. I don't need glasses. <laughs> I literally just wear them yeah. for fun. Well, that oh, gets me. When people find out I feel bad, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Well, I, guess sometimes what? Sometimes I just yeah. say, yeah. Brent, you can pull us. You can pull a Paris. No, because yeah, the wear statement glasses. No, Brent, Brent couldn't because the guilt 
of not needing glasses would be too much for Brent to bear. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I'm, I'm sort of like Paris where like I'm, I'm weirdly, uh, I'd like to be honest and I hate feeling like I'm deceiving people. So I feel like I would walk into a party with glasses. That's what I mean. And no one would think twice, but then I would have to tell everyone, oh, they're actually not real. I don't actually, I don't need these and they're well, not real and I'm, I'm a monster. Paris's glasses, I mean, <laughs> yes, they might be a statement about your identity, but one little Google search, one little Instagram scroll, I was like, 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 and left and right because you have so much more than just your glasses to stand out. You literally are the most fashionable comedian I think I've ever that seen. Is, that's when, that's when, I mean, when I Thank you. Came, came across <laughs> you, I was like, look at this. She dresses up. She's got the glasses. I mean, I had a moment where I was looking at pictures of you and your girlfriend and I was like, am I straight? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, Wait, let me ask a question real quick, Paris. When you saw that mm -hmm. Alan liked all of your pictures this weekend, did you block him? Uh, no, I didn't block him. Okay, she, well, she didn't even recognize me. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> creepy at all. Sometimes if, I feel like it's, if it's too many likes and I look at their page, I'm like, ah, oh, a creep. And I she came over and, and saw one creep. picture of a dude in drag and was like, this guy's fine. <laughs> this guy's fine. <laughs> I don't have to worry about this one. Wait, Paris, so you grew up in one of Brent and I's favorite cities of all time, Washington, D.C. D.C. <laughs> mm -hmm. We love it. What, what was it like growing up in D.C.? And also, what was it like? Did you get your start in comedy in D.C.? I did. I got my start in comedy in D.C. Um, D.C. was definitely different when I grew up, of course. It's really gentrified right now. It was the opposite. It was Chocolate City, like, all the way. And now it's really, it's like, not really. It's like the chocolate is at the yeah. end of the bar now. It's Mint Milano um, City. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um it's cool and starting comedy in DC is definitely good too because it's a real city. I feel like that's why so many comedy legends come from DC cuz you really have to be funny like you just can't go and not be funny cuz they don't care about you like they work for the government they don't care they'd rather right. be somewhere getting drunk. So right. it's like really right. make me forget that I hate my job. Yeah. And be funny. Yeah. So it's it's, it's cool. I like that I started. Yeah. That's an yeah. interesting outlet, the idea that, because, like, D.C. does feel, the few times that I've been, it does feel, you can sort of get that sense of people feeling just power hungry. There's this, the energy there is all about, like, power. Especially and among so, gay dudes. Ooh. Oh, my God. Apparent, I mean, gay, <laughs> gay D.C. is apparently worse well, than. Gay D.C. will make you want to get an STD and, like, have to stay home. As, I, as I've always said, as I've always said, it's the only city in which in my first 30 minutes on Grinder in D.C., I had two different guys offer to piss on me. And I was like, all right, <laughs> oh, here we wow. are. Now, that's a twist. I wouldn't expect that from really? D.C. Yeah. Really? Oh, that felt that's, very, I mean, well, it's it's not felt very really Lindsey Graham to, to me. Yeah. I mean, they probably had great great jobs as well. Yeah, so I'm not well, surprised at all. The real estate golden shower would have been amazing. Like that mm. would have been a great place to be peed on because you could probably clean off in a wonderful shower. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Wait, but DC is one of those cities. I agree. I mean, I lived in DC for a short while. I visited so many times, and one of the things I think about DC is that there is this separation in. Like it's it's unlike any other urban city in that a conservative person must will always be confronted with an urban liberal progressive person. But then even that sort of white liberal progressive person will be confronted by an authentically DC sort of like person who's lived in DC for their whole life and have to be confronted with even their own liberal biases. Like it's insane the layers that of people that exist in DC. And I think that's why comedy works so well there. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's, you, so it's good. It's it's cool. I mean, I don't really care for it anymore. It's always <laughs> great. I'll never yeah. not love it, but it's like I don't really care yeah. for it anymore. I don't it's care, cool to come I back, don't but care like, for it. I don't that... really care for it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, a great that's a great sentiment. I don't really care for it anymore. Mm. You're in New York <laughs> right now, right? No, so I'm oh. back home with my girlfriend in Baltimore right now. Since Corona oh, started, wow. I didn't go back to New York. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm here just being gay full time. Mm-hmm. And, nice. you get, and you're on the new, newer side of being gay, right? Yeah, I'm on like the, like I, I'm still learning things myself, and it's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, like what they don't talk about this. Yeah, tell us. I mean, the different types of gay. Like, I didn't, I just came in, like, my girlfriend's gorgeous. I like her. I don't like ugly girls. So it's like, I don't (laughs) tell everybody I'm gay because I don't even want the hassle of, like, ooh, I like you because it's uncomfortable. Like, I'm a feminist, but, like, bitch, (laughs) no, I don't like what you given to me right now right, so it's right, hard right. so right. i had to figure out like i i can't be homophobic and be gay that's the hardest mm. part like no, you, no, you, you can't can, you're out of way i can, yeah, you can but it's a lot of arguments like i still eat nah. chick-fil-a and i do not get any yeah. passes for it well yeah. one thing one thing we will say this podcast your was filet <laughs> i support it i support it 100 percent. i just think I it's overrated polynesian sauce i just think <laughs> if they get rid of the polynesian sauce and waffle fries i'll stop but until then <laughs> this podcast was created for you to have a safe space to be Mm -hmm. pleasantly homophobic oh yeah bring it on oh okay good respectfully respectfully homophobic Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. i think that's probably more apropos yeah because i mean at the end of the day i mean we all still vote for biden but as long as like (laughs) you don't come in here saying like you want to like send all fags to hell then i think you're good right i mean oh yeah no no it's other people to send to hell first right right that's sort of how i feel too so but like what have what have been some of the other things that have taken you a little while to get adjusted to having now we are dying we are genuinely dying to know like we want to know because we're always um so i had to like learn the different types of gay women that there are i didn't really know because I didn't I didn't have to know so I feel like I had to educate myself on a lot of things like Mm -hmm. usually if I see a dom I'm just like oh it's a dom but I didn't know there's like a mix of like a dom but it's like a a girl dom or like a soft dom I think is what it's called Mm -hmm. I never knew there uh, yeah yeah, so what does that mean so it's like a a a dominant girl but it's the soft kind Mm. I didn't know that that was a, a, a option. I just Does thought, she like, like shop at nuggets. Bath and Body Works or something? Like what is what makes so her soft? She she wears male briefs and pants sag a little bit, but she also gets her nails done. Oh, oh interesting. That sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't know. Like I, I didn't know. Like I really just did not know that. Um, so so Dom so Dom then uh, uh, I guess a Dom lesbian would when you say kind of. Uh, like her, uh, her pants sag. I literally sound like my mom explaining this right now. When you say her pants sag, <laughs> when you sag, say, when you how say, how would you say? Uh, but like, so like that's so Dom means like I, I feel like I don't in my daily life come across too many Dom women then because I don't see a ton of women who I would say kind of fit that fit that mold. Uh, is that is it uh, like a relatively rare thing then to see like a no it's a lot actually once I learned about it I'm like oh wow now it makes sense yeah so it's like every time I learn something new now I have to go back into the gay dictionary and I'm like oh shit okay I have to start using it in sentences and then when I see the people I'm like oh Oh, this is this kind like there's so many different kinds I didn't know 
There were so many different kinds. I didn't so, know. like in, in Baltimore, are there gay, are there lesbian bars that you've gone to, or is it just your? So your here's the thing that's going to blow your mind. Mm-hmm. I really only went to one gay club in my entire life. What? Wow. Which one wow. was it? Juniors in DC? Mm. No, it was. I don't know the name of it in DC. My brother mm. is gay, and he took me there. I'm not even sure of the name of it. It was like three floors. Okay. Um, yeah. and, and it was. I just know the top floor had male strippers. And it was cool. Yeah. It was cool to be up there. Like you didn't, yeah. I didn't get harassed at all compared to the straight club. Yeah, like in the yeah. gay club, nobody bothered me. I was like, wow, well, this yeah. is Baltimore. House. Is it house? Was it house? I think I've been. Yeah, to. yeah, that was house. Yeah, I, I love ba- that place. <laughs> Baltimore is known for. I mean, like we were talking about before these guys got on. I was born in Baltimore. I've been to Baltimore a bunch. Like Balt, Balt Yeah, I was born in Baltimore. Oh, I, I lived there that. until I was a kid. Um, Baltimore. Has a such an interesting subversive gay scene that like you think it's this working class city and it is, but there also is like a really thriving weird sort of queer community there of just people doing just whatever the hell they want. Baltimore is a mm-hmm. great gay city. I mean, John Waters, hello, it's perfect. Uh-huh. Yeah, Baltimore is a great city. Have you like have you is your girlfriend? She's from Baltimore. She's actually from North Carolina, but she lives in Baltimore. Okay. Mm. But she's been to the gay clubs. Like she mm-hmm. she had to teach me about all the things she knew because she's older than me. So she mm-hmm. already had like her full gay experience. So it was like I was a student in class learning mm-hmm. to make sure I'm ready, <laughs> you know, for the big gay. Cause I'm, like, right. I'm over here gay because I like her. But she has to because you hadn't had you dated you hadn't dated women before you dated your girlfriend, right? I dated women, but it was not, it was like, it wasn't, it was, it was very toxic. It was very yeah. future-like. It was very mm-hmm. like, hey girl, I like you today, but let's just leave me alone tomorrow. I'm going on a date with a guy. Mm-hmm. It was very uh, in the middle. Huh. Yeah. And how long have you guys been together? We've been together for four years. Oh wow. Oh wow. wow. Okay, cool. So you, you are a lesbian then, for real. Yeah. Yeah, wow. now, like, yeah, that's like, it's four. Like, when I got with her, yeah. it was like, yeah. this is decision I'm making to fully be gay. Like, all yeah. the way. <laughs> like, yeah, like, all the way right. gay. This right. is the one. I can ultimately, imagine. Before, before, I just want to say, before you guys, before you got together with your girlfriend, so you really hadn't, like, explored the queer space of it all? You, you had you, like, engaged, like... Like I'm just speaking on behalf of myself, you know. I when I came out when I was like 19, I threw myself into books and movies and yeah. like everything I could. You bought like mesh shirts and shit. <laughs> Remember, you were like a clipboard kid at like the club in a mesh shirt. Yeah, I had a real identity crisis, you could say. And but he's not I, over it yet. Yeah. Not over it yet. <laughs> but I, but I always felt so like lost, lost based on like all the sort of. Re, quote unquote research that I did. So I wondered, were you also somebody who did research or did you just kind of slide into this relationship and let that steer you? Um, I got to a decision where I was like, dating men and women, it allowed me to see who I really liked between the two. Mm-hmm. Men don't have enough mo- emotions for me. Mm-hmm. Like women give you all of the emotions you need and men, I just wanted sex out of the men. So it was just like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm getting older. I have to make a decision. Mm. So, no, I didn't do research. I really didn't do too much for research. Kind of met her, and then I was like, oh, I got to start learning these things wow. because now I'm really taking on this gay role. Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating. Wait, that, reminds like- me of, that reminds me of Elliot. You, all you want is sex, and you don't want the emotions. So <laughs> well, no. Very, very Elliot, yeah. <laughs> that actually, I was going to say that. So, like, that, it's, it's kind of for often, I mean, I would argue for, like, a lot of gay men, it's the opposite. Like, like the idea of, like, 
a, you know, a gay man who's sort of testing the waters and maybe exploring his sexuality, the idea of just having sex with a woman is very rare. I mean, like only using it for sex would be very rare, I think. And because it is so steep, men are so steeped in sex. Whereas like you were like looking for the emotion, which is toxic men don't look for that. Mm. Yeah, because the problem, I feel like having a lot of female friends, the problem is like men are good for sex. But then mm-hmm. when it's time for the emotions and the communication, it's a problem. Yeah. Well, so it's like, I had to be the person who, be- I had to be the man that men are usually to women. So it's mm-hmm. like, they'll have sex with women and cut them off. So I was like, I'll have sex with men and then just cut them off, never talk to them again and go date a woman. So you were the Samantha of yeah. the Sex in the City group. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very yeah. Wait, I wanted to ask you about yeah. a joke in your act that I loved um, about mm-hmm. white people not knowing what to do with each other when uh, after Trump won. And and I think it's so it's so fucking spot on. It's perfect because even non-Trump loving white people, I don't think we know what to do. We don't know how to communicate with each other right now on any level because everybody is so separate. Like, could you unpack your joke a little bit for me? Um, well, it's true because I, I have a lot of white friends. So I heard a lot of like them not getting along with their family after Trump won. Like the people who voted for Trump and the people who didn't vote for Trump, they couldn't even spend the holidays together. And to me, it was a bit funny because I was like, wow, this is making white families get torn apart when in the black community is like drugs. So I was just like, you know, it's cool that I can go out and talk to white people who don't like Trump and they take my side and then Trump supporters hate me. So usually at shows, I convince them to hate each other and it usually turns into an argument and it's beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm, yeah. So <laughs> every time I see it, I'm so impressed. I'm like, this really happens? Mm-hmm. They don't show this on TV. Mm-hmm. So once I realized that, I was like, this is a great joke. So I just pull all of the details out of it because it's so true and it just hits. It's mm, great. Do you really get yeah. them to turn on each other? Yeah, it's, it's always beautiful because it's always like a drunk Trump supporter. And, you know, all they want to do is argue. They don't make sense, but they just like to argue. Just like Trump. And then you have a white person who has sense and they're not racist and they don't like it. So they take up for me. And I'm like, see, this is what I'm talking about. Two white people not getting along. Martin Luther King's second dream. Beautiful. <laughs> progress. Like we're, we're getting somewhere. We're not all the way there yet. Right, but right. definitely progress. Do you ever, do you oh ever get God. any pushback from like, because I can imagine, I mean, I, I'm thinking, especially of your joke about being newly gay, if you will. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like, some of the ultra, ultra left, some people who have certain opinions of like, when we know our sexuality, we're always gay, that sort of thing. Does anyone ever push back when you talk about sort of your sexuality or like your experiences? And then how do you respond? Because I have a feeling it's hilarious. Yeah, some people try to tell me who I am as a person. Like, you know, some people love to be like, you were born gay. And I'm like, that is very true. Some people are born gay, but I specifically... Don't believe I was born gay. Now, I tried. Like, I tried Pete standing peeing up when I was eight. Because I was just like, why do I have to sit down? Who said this is true? Was it and a then mess? then I peed on my leg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I yeah, was like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to sit my ass down because I'm a woman. This, this yeah. I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I talk about being gay, I feel like a lot of people are just like, in the comments on YouTube more so, not really yeah. in real mm-hmm. life, but they're just like, oh, she's bisexual. She's not gay. Uh, right that, that's because that, people don't like for some reason a lot of people don't like bisexual women it's like you you're too choosy you're confused mm-hmm. it's like i'm not confused i just want choices. ice cream and cake i shouldn't have to just choose ice yeah. cream 
You know, it's mm. interesting. It always has felt like when somebody comes out as bi or identifies as bi, if they're a guy, it usually is, the, I think the sentiment more so from gay guys is, oh, he's just on the train to gay. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. women who come out as bi, they're told you're like, like it's just a phase or right. written off as something mm, yeah. completely different. And it's such an odd, it's such an odd dichotomy where like you can't, you can't really get away with it one one way or the other. You're always going to be told that you're doing it wrong, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but I'm you, gay every I'm gay every morning and night, so I really don't care what mm-hmm. they say. <laughs> if I'm <laughs> bored, I'll respond. Like it, it depends. It has to be really like somebody has to say something, and I have to feel like oh they think they won, and mm-hmm. then I'll respond with some shit that's so petty it'll break them down and make them apologize but not yeah, not yeah. really the problem yeah. is everyone online thinks they won that's the problem yeah there's, that's the problem there's no, there's no like end to any conversation insert? anymore <laughs> i can also verify too like i also i swear i don't i don't feel like i was i know i wasn't gay as a kid i was mm. very into girls even mm. as a kid very into girls and then mm. at a certain point when I was 12, it literally felt like a light switch. Mm-hmm. And and then everything mm-hmm. just flipped. And I don't I couldn't tell you exactly why. I couldn't tell you, like, I don't know why the circumstances changed, but I went from being super into girls and then I and then it just overnight it was like But like what what kind of into girls? I'm like I obviously I know you're young, <laughs> so you're not having like vivid sexual fantasies, but like I was like, having vivid was... sexual fantasies. About like Jessica Tandy or like actual girls? <laughs> About Jessica Lang. Actual <laughs> <laughs> girls. I, I'm not like, it would be too weird to make up, but I remember distinctly having like sexual fantasies about other girls in like fourth grade. Wow. Well. Yes. I feel like the fantasies involved like, let's talk about baking naked. No. No, no, because uh, Elliot very famously, we've talked about this many times on the podcast, very famously, (laughs) his first sexual encounter was when he wrestled naked with a female classmate in first grade. And it was romantic. (laughs) And as he says, as he said, things happen is is how he always. I can literally attest. I have been, I was that five-year-old singing all that jazz from Chicago for my family. Like I was that gay i was i i don't i don't there's not a moment in my life that i don't think of a moment but also like people should be allowed to identify however the fuck they want to identify like right now i identify as kathy bates and i own that (laughs) wait was your your brother psyched when you came out or came out to him as you know having a girlfriend was that if he's gay how did you take your brother oh my brother oh so that's my dad's son um how did he take it i don't really he doesn't I want to share know. the attention, thing. maybe. Yeah, because it's like, when it comes to gay men, I feel like uh, sometimes it's really hard to, like, be cool with gay men. Like, yeah. if, if a gay man is cool up front, we can vibe. But some yeah. gay men are like, Not I want to cool. be a woman so much, I don't even like you as a woman. And I'm like, but how is that? I didn't even do anything. Right, leave like, me alone. Like, we should be able to talk and understand each other. Why are you upset that God made me this way? Let's well, talk about money. it. If I'm real glad I opened about the glasses then. I'm so mm. glad. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. See, we can get along, but some guys will just not say anything and then later send a message like, I like your glasses. Matter of fact, here's an example. Mm-hmm. I finally went out to eat uh, two weeks ago and a gay guy comes up to my table and he stops and he was like, oh, you the fake lesbian. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, like out in public, outside of the restaurant on a Saturday. You've never seen him before brunch. in your life. You've never, never seen this it, guy but, in my but, but, but did it make you feel so famous, though? Uh. It didn't. It made me feel like if I give him the same energy to me that he just gave mm-hmm. me, he'll be upset. So if I was say? to say to him, hey, are you the fake dick sucker? It would be like, mm-hmm. I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. But it's like, mm-hmm. what is a fake lesbian? You're allowed, to, I was like, you're allowed to say that if, if, well, he, if he opens with that. Yeah. That's what I said, yeah. right? So <laughs> yeah. I just looked at him because I'm eating my food. I'm confused. I'm like, fake lesbian? Uh, I ate pussy last night. I think I'm pretty gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, Good. no, I'm not a fake lesbian. I was like, oh, no, wrong person. He was like, no, you're the Paris Sachet. You have the joke about the 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 uh, dildo and your girlfriend, the fake lesbian. I was like, that's... Well, that's what just true. Fake, I have to say that that joke is so good because it's true. If you go to the store to buy a dildo for your girlfriend or to fuck your girlfriend, mm. you want to buy the king of dildos. You don't want to buy you a dainty little the, thing. That's a waste of money. Like it's a waste you of get money. Any lollipop you want out the lollipop store, you're not going to get the smallest lollipop. Yeah, it's a waste. It's like <laughs> getting six piece nuggets when like you can get a ten piece for the exact same exactly. price. Exactly. Right. You guys no are measuring sense. that by the the idea of like an anor- <laughs> like when you when you tell that joke, I immediately and en- you know imagine this like enormous dildo, and I'm like, that's not that. I mean, not everybody wants a log, you know, a log. <laughs> Some people do. Some people, Some people do, need it. but you don't have to. But, 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 but it's like you don't have to use the whole log. You know what I mean? Right, you, can just, right. you can just like use the tip of the log and then use the rest of it as like a toy. Right, you figure it out as it goes, but yeah. you just need it there for confidence. Really there for confidence purposes. That's Paris, fair. I have to say, this has been so much fun. And oh, and thank and also, you guys. Congratulations yes. on your new album. Yes. Thank mm. you. My honest ignorance. It's available now everywhere, right? Has it been hard promoting yes. it by a, like amid the pandemic? Because it came out during all of this, right? Yeah. It wasn't hard for the pandemic. It was hard because that was a couple of days after my brother passing, so I really mm. didn't even care to talk to anyone. Yeah. So, but the people helped promote it, and it definitely made number one the day it was released on iTunes. So that That's was great. Great. That's great. Congrats, and yeah. sorry about your brother. It's Yeah, thank you guys so yeah. much. It's well, thank you so loss. much for being here, and where can everybody find you online? They can follow me at Parisache, P-A-R-I-S-S-A-S-H-A-Y, on everything. Follow right, my gay right. journey. <laughs> Educate me on what I don't know. Make me the greatest, smartest gay woman to ever live. Mm. Oh, <laughs> let's do it. Thank you, Paris. Thanks, Paris. Thank you guys we'll you so soon. much. Yeah. All Thanks. right, take care. And another thing. So uh, there was an article um, recently in Airmail, <laughs> a new publication that I'm following that, that of course you read yeah <laughs> Elliot only reads publications no one has ever heard of so in airmail they were talking about um the idea of gay dad anxiety in the sense that you know now more than ever we're seeing very public um displays and celebration of gay gay male parents specifically uh anderson cooper andy cohen ricky martin ryan murphy elton john tom ford and um, the idea that at this point that there is a level of anxiety that has been produced by the sort of mainstreaming and not just normalizing of um, gay fathers, but the idea that they have become the sort of 
sim the ultimate symbol of, as the author wrote, LGBTQ equality, parenthood for men who, despite their wealth and privilege, never imagined they would become fathers. And that it sort of sets up this, the idea, especially through like social media and journalism, that there are these like supernatural standards by which now we, you know, are, are feel like compelled to achieve. And I don't know, I wonder if you guys feel that way that like, that this has made you feel sort of envy for to, to be those kind of parents, even though these people are like loaded. No, that's it. That's just privileged. It. That, that's just it. I mean, the thing is, is like, there's such a disparity and adopting has always been like a big issue for my family because my mom's adopted and like, she gets pissed because there's such a disparity in what sort of marginalized people or poor people sometimes have to the links they have to go just to have a child if they can't have one biologically or for whatever reasons. And it's, it's for people who are in our situations where we're, you know, average middle income people, it can be really, really hard financially to get a child if you want one. And gay people struggle with that unless they're a uh, Vanderbilt like Cooper. Yeah. And it's very, it's very expensive. Yeah. And it's probably also very difficult or probably I would imagine it's made easier if you are somebody who's wealthy and you know you wield some sort of power to like go through that process of course yeah I don't know I, I obviously don't follow these these individuals on Instagram uh nor would I care to and I don't know it's just like whenever I see <laughs> whenever I see anyone who is famous, who puts their child on their Instagram. I'm like, I, I bet you saw that kid for like 45 minutes today. And you probably had like a myriad of like nannies and maids around to like help, help raise your child. So yeah, I mean, I, that's not to be totally cynical. Maybe Tom Ford's a great dad, but I don't know. I, I guess I just kind of. <laughs> oh, look, I feel look. the same thing. I mean, I see like, I think when Andy Cohen adopted his baby, he was so quick to like pose for the cover of People Magazine, which grosses mm -hmm. me out because it's like, are you having a child to have a child or are you having a child for publicity? Right. And then, you know, in as much, I think to Brent's point, he was on, um, I was listening to him, he was on Stern, on Howard Stern, and Howard basically chided him with the idea that it's like, you seem to be, you have so much time for like all the radio and TV mm -hmm. and yeah. producing and all this. He's like, you know, how many nannies do you have, you know? And it, yeah. and it put Andy Cohen kind of on the spot. On one hand, I I appreciate it because it does, you know, the more you see it and the more positive it looks, I think the better it is for everybody, you know, obviously mm -hmm. to, to the idea of adopting as a gay parent. But there is, there is a level of wealth and privilege that also with gay marriage, once gay marriage was passed, mm -hmm. I immediately felt the same privilege too. And I feel like the, it, it really does stem from like the, the really like wealthy and or powerful people who get to do it in the most, you know, culturally beneficial, you know, <laughs> expensive, yeah, uh, yeah. but seamless way that makes it, it does make it hard if you, if you want to, you well, know, I mean, middle income or lower yeah, income. Yeah, of course. Do that. I, I, I was so, I remember watching, and again, listeners, if you're playing along with the drinking game, then the mention of The View <laughs> is about to come, so please drink now. Did we establish um, that at the top? Uh, no, we should, oh, but right. I feel like it's an right. ongoing thing for mm -hmm. list, avid listeners, knowing that every time you, we mention The View, you drink. Um, right. you so do a shot. Joy Behar on The View, when Andy Cohen was on, made a point of being like, hey, I just think it's great. It's great that you on TV, you can be on TV and you can be a gay dad and everyone can just accept it. It's great. It's great. Who cares? 
And I, that was me doing the SNL. Like um, mm-hmm. Thank you. But it pissed me off because I was like, well, of course he has the freedom to do it. He owns Bravo. Like he should be donating some of the money or whatever he makes to like, you know, LGBT adoption organizations that help people who, gay people, queer people who are struggling in states that, some states that ban gay adoption, let's be real about that, and help them secure children so that they can adopt and be, you know, active participants in the in our society, raising children if they choose to do that. That's an amazing thing. But no, instead he's making money off People Magazine, posting his pictures with I'm the baby. crazy, right? Like that, that, that is kind of gross, right? I mean, well, I mean, the whole the, the the argument is that they'll get they'll get photographed by paparazzi anyway, so you beat them to it by posting the picture. That's the that's the argument. Yeah, but even I, even with that argument, it just it just grosses me out because it just I don't know I I don't know if it's like the chicken or the egg, but you know, with him, obviously, he's hungry for fame. I mean, I've never seen another programming executive like put themselves on it, you know, put themselves on television that way. With that all being said. I don't know. There's something like I understand that the, the you know the the visibility of it all doesn't hurt, yeah. but the sort of by the yeah, books I, Hollywood. If if I think we're being optimistic, it's possible he was trying to kind of you know uh, make it a little bit more mainstream. You know, posing yeah. with your kid on a magazine and you're a single gay father. Maybe he has a husband. I don't fucking know. He does. But like, uh, but you know. Yeah, but at the same time, you're like, I mean, that's that's certainly a pop, that's a that's a rosy colored uh, mm-hmm. spin to it. I I think more than likely, it's just kind of a part of you know the 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 mass media beast that is Andy Cohen. I guess yeah. I also love like every time I watch Watch What Happens Live and he's opening it on his like balcony in the Hamptons because he has so much money that he has like four <laughs> homes. Um, that he, he has these like crazy eyes, these like beady little crazy eyes. Be like, and Ramona's gonna get singered. And he and has every, like, it's he insane. also did a, a baby shower. Like this, this was what I think honestly made me. Nauseous. Oh yeah, yeah. He did a baby shower with all the Real Housewives, uh-huh. which is like, yeah. Ugh, it's like but a Lisa Rena, yeah. Lisa Rena dancing on that table was worth it. It was worth <laughs> it for you. It was for me. Yep, it was worth <laughs> it. What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say if she heard today's show? Airmail sounds like a blog for people on airplanes. <laughs> My, it's not a, I mean, it's a magazine, I think. I don't know. It's new it's to a, me. It's a blog. Uh, my aunt Joanne would say, you know, Andy named his son Benjamin, which I think is very responsible. <laughs> Jewish, Jewish name. How about Aunt Anne? My aunt Anne would say, I don't know. Your uncle Ray won't even let me eat a hot dog in front of a man, <laughs> let alone have sex with someone on Zoom. <laughs> oh, thank right. you guys for listening. I'm Elliot Gleaser. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. <laughs> Thank you.